Don't you love the last line of that passage where it says, The Lord is King, let the heavens ring, let the earth be glad. And in a world where we are struggling, I think it's a beautiful thing to remember in the grime and the, and, and, and the violence and the immorality and the wickedness of our world and in the injustice, it's good to remember that through it all, God is still the King. And I'm here to worship this morning the King. You know, what I I didn't tell you before we begin our Bible study this morning is that next week, Brendan Linneweber, our sound man, has some new technology here. And he is able to plug a phone into the sound system so that you can hear whoever's talking on this end talking and whoever's talking on the other end. Now, we happen to have a, a foreign correspondent at the General Conference. Did you know that? And that foreign correspondent happens to be my father-in-law, David Blanche. And I thought next week for a few minutes, I'm going to get Brendan to try this new, uh, this new technology out. And I was speaking to him last night. We, 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 have, we have on our television screens at night Hope and 3ABN. And I was, I was watching the general conference session last night. Uh, I heard their theme song. Uh, I didn't really like their theme song much. It was a bit dry and dusty and I thought, well, perhaps you need to come to Warunga and hear, hear and sing our theme song, which happens to be their theme song over the last three or four GCs. Um, and that's the last song we sing every day. But I woke him up at three in the morning because I, I was watching it on Hope and I saw live and I thought, oh, well, it must be live. They must be awake in America. And there was something, because I used to live in the US, and there's something in my mind saying, Lloyd, that's not right. And I put it back and, and I rang him up and we woke them at three in the morning. Well, Diane talked to them for so long that by the time we hung up, you notice I said Diane, not Lloyd, by the time we hung up, they were wide awake at 3.30 in the morning. And uh, I did ask him, I said, look, could you give us uh, just, if we ring you from church, and we can do this now, praise God, could you give us just a little report on what it's like at the GC for a couple of minutes and what's happening? And of course, they're on Sabbath at the GC session. You know how many people come together, don't you, to worship? Sixty thousand and so this is an exciting time so for a couple of minutes next week we're going to do this phone hook up we'll try and do it like cnn does we'll put a picture of david blanche up on the screen i don't know whether i've got one with a phone to his ear but and we'll do a little cnn crossover live to the united states and by the way this year coming next year 2006 we have it looks like we have david ashrick who's one of the top under 30 young on-fire preachers in America coming from the United States here to this church to preach for a series. And we also, and I think this is a bit of a coup and I'm praising God, but it's looking very positive that we have Dwight Nelson. Have you heard of him? He's coming to Warunga SDA. And we'll do some live phone hookups with them as well to encourage you to invite your friends to their program. So it's exciting what technology can do, isn't it? And we'll put it in place next week and see what happens. But again, good to see you at church to worship this morning. I miss Warunga. I had a wonderful time up at Northern Australia camp. You know, when I go, go back there, when I go to Queensland, and I love Sydney, don't get me wrong, but make no mistake, I'm going home. These Queenslanders, they're my people. 
And I get up there, you know, and, and they're very casual, and I love that. They don't wear ties or suit coats. You think that suits me? You better believe it does. They're a, 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 a laconic, laid-back, beautiful bunch of Seventh-day Adventists up there in, in Northern Australia. And I had a high spiritual time. And whenever I go away, God does bless you when you're speaking. And the, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and it warms you up. And you are up on top of the mountain, but when you come home, I tell you, I've had a hard week spiritually. I don't know whether I should say that as a pastor, but I have. And it was the Lord who had to drag me back because I'd been with him up in northern Australia. I was so close to him. I was speaking for him in the, in the youth in the youth pavilion and so I was in touch with him all the time. I came home and you know what? I had a three-day rest from God. Isn't that a terrible thing? Where I never opened my word, the Bible. I spent very little time in prayer. I was praying, but not a lot. And you know what? The devil came and the devil got me. And it's not that I've done anything devastatingly wrong. It's just you slip back into old habits and old ways if you're not in the presence of Jesus. So it was a very tough week for me spiritually. And I praise God that as he started to drag me back to him, and he did toward the end of the week, that I began to experience his presence again. Because that's what hurts when you wander away from Jesus. You don't have his presence and I praise God, I began to experience his presence again and it was a beautiful thing to walk into Warunga Seventh-day Adventist Church this morning because guess who's here? God. And I experience him. Every Sabbath I've been here over the last four and a half years to the Sabbath. Four and a half years I've been here exactly now. Every Sabbath I've been here, no matter whether I'm low spiritually and some people say, oh, for a pastor to be low spiritually, that's hypocritical. That's not hypocritical hypocritical. So I said to the Sabbath school class this morning, that's humanity. That's humanity. We all struggle, whether we're pastors, whether we're division, general conference leaders, whether we're local church pastors or we're lay workers in the church. We all struggle. We have times where we are not with the Lord as we should and the Lord comes after us. Praise God. He comes after us. But I praise the Lord that I was able to come to church this morning because as I walked into this church, I experienced the Holy Spirit and that's what I love about Warunga SDA. And I want to thank you, the people of Warunga SDA, because the Holy Spirit is here because you bring him with you. And I'm so happy to be able to come to church when I'm a bit down spiritually and experience that with God in this church. I want to pray and then I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 65. Jesus, this morning, for a few moments as we study your word, we're praying again that you will come into this church. Some of us, some of us, Lord, this morning have come into this church to worship you on the mountaintop. We've had a wonderful week with you, God. We've been blessed. There are others of us, Lord, who've had a struggling week. We've wandered. We've not been as close to you as we should have and we've been wounded and we've been hurt by sin. This morning, Lord, together as a congregation, we come united before you, whether we're on the mountain or in the valley, seeking your presence. Be here, I pray, Jesus. Touch us with your gentle love. Encourage us, God. Lift us up so that when we leave this place, we are firm in our faith and our longing for you in our lives this week. 
So be here now, Jesus, I pray, I plead, I invite, in your name, amen. Isaiah chapter 65, I want to have a look at this chapter for a few moments this morning and if you have your Bibles, I've chosen purposefully not to use the screen this morning. There are some times where I want to change even my approach and I just want to speak to you from the word, looking looking into your eyes and calling for a decision for Jesus. Isaiah 65, I've entitled this Bible study, this sermon this morning, Smoke Like Smoke. And you'll find the title in verse 5, like smoke in my nostrils. That's a funny title. I could have entitled it, The Tension of the Paradox. But I didn't think that was a very appealing sort of a a title and and one that that may have have caused people to go somewhere else rather than come in here. But we're studying Isaiah chapter 65. The title of the sermon is like smoke in my nostrils, but more accurately it could be entitled the tension of the paradox. Now soon, when I went to Avondale College, and I praise God for Avondale College, in fact, Avondale College cops some, cops some criticism at times, but I want to tell you that Avondale College has had a lot to do with me finding Jesus Christ. And so I am grateful and thankful for Avondale College. I don't say that everything that goes on at Avondale is right any more than every, everything that goes on in our lives in this church is right. But it is a college where you can find Jesus, where he can reach young people. And I found Jesus at Pacific Union College and Avondale, the two colleges I attended. That's where I found or where Jesus found me. But whenever I was at Avondale and, and I was doing the, the theology subjects, and, and I don't reckon Ben and Rangie would be like this, but it's how I am, I would never sit up the front. I always sat up the back of the classroom and I always sat up the back of the classroom because if I didn't like what was being said in the lecture, if it was boring me, and that used to happen more often than not, not my teacher's fault, my fault, but if the lesson was boring me, if I was up the back, I could just disappear into my own little world and the lecturer wouldn't even notice Well, I'm not so sure that's the truth because I notice when people go to sleep in my church here, which has got more than 500 people in it most Sabbath. So I think with 15 students, he would have known that I, or they would have known I wasn't right on board. But I was not a good student. But I would try to listen as best I could most times. But if ever a teacher would get up the front, (coughs) excuse me, a lecturer. And so we're going to look at the paradox of Isaiah chapter 65, I would turn off. The walls would go off and my eyes would be, my eyes would be open, my brain would be asleep. Because whenever we got into technical theological terms, whenever we got into these sorts of discussions, Lloyd just wasn't there. He was there in his presence, but he wasn't there anywhere, any other way. When you hear a word like the paradox or the tension of the paradox in Isaiah 65, easy to turn off, but this study impacts us very deeply this morning. Do you know what a paradox is? It's the opposite, the tension of the opposites. And in Isaiah chapter 65, we are given a glimpse, we see through a window into the tension of the paradox or the opposite of God's character. God will call you. And most of you sit in this church this morning because you've been called. 
God will call you, praise the Lord. But he will sometimes reveal different aspects to his character to call you. And this morning in Isaiah chapter 65, I want to illustrate this to you. Not everything that Isaiah 65 says applies to us or applies to Warunga or will apply to you. But much of it does. The paradox of Isaiah chapter 65. And I hope you've got your Bibles opened because we're going to start in verse 1. Isaiah 65. And, and by the way, Isaiah is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It's, it's the salvation book. You want to know how to be saved, you study the book of Isaiah. But it's full of paradoxes from chapter 1 right through to chapter 66. You've got God being opposite. In other words, in one place he's calling people to him by being the judge, by being the vengeful, wrathful uh, 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 um, punisher of wickedness. And he says, unless you come to me, and it's pretty straight stuff, God says, unless you come to me, I will punish you. He says in many places, I will bend you on your knees and he says, I will execute you. Serious stuff from God. And yet in the very same chapter, and it happens chapter after chapter after chapter, Isaiah, God says through Isaiah, he says, oh, come to me, you who are wounded and broken. Come to me, he says, I will love you, I will care for you, I will heal you. And people have studied Isaiah and they've become confused and they say, how can the same God who's being loving and gentle and calling us to him for protection, how can that same God be, be vengeful and wrathful to the point where he'll bend someone on their knees and execute them? And they struggle with it. I want to have a look at one of these paradoxes this morning and see what you think. Isaiah 65 verse 1, God says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me to a nation that did not call on my name. I said, here am I, here am I. Here is a God that wants to know Israel. He's longing for Israel. He reveals himself to Israel. In fact, he he cries out to Israel in thunderous tones. Here am I. Here am I. Your God, take me. I will look after you. I will care for you. I wonder, does God do that to us at Warunga SDA? To us as members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Does God come to us and say, here am I? Here am I? I challenge you this morning. That every Sabbath morning and the Holy Spirit wakes you up and calls you to Sabbath school, that God is saying to you, here am I. Church, God says, here am I. Prayer meeting, God says, here am I. In fact, Bible study, personal Bible study, personal prayer, when the Holy Spirit comes to you and he's pushing you, you know what it's like. Come on, Lloyd. Spend some time with me in the Bible this morning. I know you've been up to Northern Australia. I know you're tired, but we need to spend some time together. Lloyd, come into the wardrobe. That's where I pray. Come into the walk-in robe. I've told you before, I have a sheepskin on the floor in there because my knees are soft. Come in, Lloyd. Lloyd. Here am I. Here am I. Speak to me. Talk to me. I want you. God did it to Israel. And I want to suggest this morning that God is doing it to you. And and as you sit in this church this morning, God is saying, here am I. Here am I. Now look at what God says in verse 2 to Israel. He says, all day long, 
I have held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations. God's starting to get pretty heavy here. He says, Israel, you are an obstinate people. I hold my hands out to you, God says, and you will not come. And I've got to tell you that in this paradox where God is talking, and you'll see it in a moment as a vengeful, judgmental God, in this paradox I see Lloyd Groleman. I am an obstinate man. God called me 20 years ago. I'm a pastor. Been walking with the Lord day by day for almost 20 years. And yet I believe God can still look down at me with some of the sins and some of the rebellion he sees in me. And I'm sure you can do the same. And say, Lloyd, you are an obstinate man, a stubborn man in your rebellion against me. And there are times where I've got to get on my knees and I've got to repent that I'm obstinate. I've got to repent of my rebellion. I've got to repent of my unfaithfulness. And I had a week like that this week. I had to repent of all those things. So God this morning talks to me in the paradox of the judge. But follow this further. Verse 3. He says, well, verse 2, all day long, he says, I've held out my hands to an obstinate people who walk in ways not good, pursuing their own imaginations, a people who continually provoke me to my face. Well, how was Israel provoking God? Look at this. Offering sacrifices in gardens. They were offering to heathen gods, sometimes their children, sacrifices in gardens in Jerusalem. And God said, you provoke me. Not only were they offering sacrifices, it says they were burning incense on altars of brick. Well, if you had time, you could look up the Bible and you'd find Exodus 20 verse 25 says the altars were not to be built of brick. They were to be built of uncut stones. They're worshipping heathen gods on altars, quite the opposite to what God had told them to do. And God said, you provoke me. But it wasn't the end of it. They sit, verse 4, among the graves and spend their nights keeping secret vigil. This is sinister, dark, dark stuff. Israel is into the occult, in graveyards, speaking to the dead. He goes on further, they eat, he says, you eat Pig flesh, you provoke me. He says, you eat from pots that hold broth of unclean meat. Read Leviticus 11. God says, Israel, you are provoking me. And then the sin of sins. You sit down and say, keep away from me, God. Don't come near me. For Can you believe this? For they say, I am too sacred for you. These people who belong to God, had apostatized so badly, they were worshipping heathen gods, they were eating unclean meats, they, 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 they were into the occult, and they have wandered so far from God, they were the people of God. This is the church of God in the Old Testament. They had been so unfaithful that God finally says that they'd reached the point where they said, Father God, don't come near me. I'm too holy for you. And I want to tell you this morning, in your walk with Jesus, if you continue to resist him, if you continue to participate in sin that you enjoy and brings you pleasure, 
If you continue to be unfaithful, Lloyd Groleman, there will come a time where you will say, God, stay away from me. And if you're not in the presence of God, this morning I want to tell you there is no salvation. And these Israelites that God is speaking about were unsaved people, a part of the church of God, can you believe it? But they were unsaved. And the Bible says that God says in verse 5, such people are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that keeps burning all day. The smoke is always in his nostrils, a fire that never goes out, powerful imagery. God says these Israelites that are unfaithful to me, that are worshipping strange gods, that, that, that are into the occult, that, that, that have got to a point in their life where they want nothing to do with me. God said they're like smoke in my nostrils. And I thought about that, smoke in God's nostrils. That's an interesting, an interesting character, a description. Uh, what's God saying? I, I grew up in a little town called one, it's a little hamlet called One Dandian, which is halfway between Nara and Aladala. You kind of got the idea of where it is? Beautiful place. On a farm, a beautiful farm in a valley, surrounded by mountains with trees all over the mountains. Very wooded area. And every summer, we used to have bushfires. And I can remember when I was a little boy of three, watching my dad with a wet hessian bag with my uncle, both stride out. Those men were taller than the biggest giants in the world to me in those days. Heroes of heroes they were, my dad, to a lesser extent my uncle, but certainly my dad. And I can remember him striding out for Hessian bag to fight these fires and I used to think to myself as a little fella, that fire doesn't stand a chance against my dad. I never did either. He used to fight them. But I remember to this day the smoke of those fires. In fact, you know how smells sometimes relate to memories? Do you have that or is it just me? Maybe I'm a bit strange, I don't know. But whenever I smell bushfire, it reminds me of my dad with his hessian bag walking out to fight these fires. But we would get raging bushfires, strong bushfires that were so bad that the smoke would be in the yard. Mum would call us in. The smoke would be in the house. In fact, I'd see my father come home and you know what he used to do? The smoke would be that bad that he would tie a wet handkerchief around his face. And when he came home, he'd take the hanky off and you, you know what it'd be like, don't you? Black face, white nose. Why would he do that? Because he found the smoke of the fire in his nostrils obnoxious. He wanted to expel it. He wanted clean air. And God says, these people of Israel who rebel against me are like smoke in my nostrils. I want to expel them. But I can't because they're a fire that is burning all the time like smoke in my nostrils. And I pray this morning that you are not, I pray for myself and my family, that we are not smoke in the nostrils of God. Read Deuteronomy about the sweet incense of the prayers of the saints that ascend to heaven. That's what I want to be in the nostrils of God. Now there you've got the negative paradox it's pretty fierce, isn't it? What do you think? Pretty fierce? Tell me, did it talk to you? Did it? Well, I've got to tell you, it talked to me. 
Put your hand up. Did it talk to you? Okay, it's good to see it's talking. Now let's look at the positive one. Verse 8, and then we'll bring it to a close. This is what the Lord says, verse 8. Now we go into the positive paradox. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and men say don't destroy it, there is yet some good in it. So will I do in behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. Praise God. He says, I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah who will possess my mountains, Jerusalem. My chosen people will inherit them. And there will my servants live. Sharon, Israel, will become a pasture for flocks and the valley of Achor a resting place for herds for my people who seek me. Isn't that beautiful? God says, if you seek me, Israel, and bear in mind, Isaiah was talking to a nation that was about to be wiped out and taken into slavery, into Babylon for their rebellion. And God says to them, look, there will be a remnant. There will be a people who I will love. There will be a people who will be faithful to me. They will not worship foreign idols in the gardens. They will not go to the graveyards at night. They will seek, look at it, they will seek me. They will not say, go away, God. They will seek me and God says here, I will save them. There will be, says God, a remnant in Israel. And sometimes we get discouraged, I know I do, when I start to look at others in the church and our failures as a church. Even here at Warunga, it always does us good when we're getting discouraged at the church and we're starting to condemn the church and judge the church. It always does us good to, to turn it back on ourselves and look at ourselves. Did you know that? We are the church and if the church is weak, it's because we are weak. If the church is not as spiritual as it should be, it's because we're not as spiritual as it should be. But it doesn't change the fact that some of us get discouraged when we look at the church. I, I always try to be an open pastor and I get discouraged when I see in our church, and not Warunga, praise God, when I see this Pentecostal rock drive to, to, to charismatic worship. It discourages me. It, dis, it discourages me when I see pastors and leaders that promote this. And I wonder, where, where's our church going? Well, sometimes I even get discouraged at Warunga and, and, and I, I'm certainly not trying to push anyone down today because that's, that's not my role or what I'm trying to do. But it discourages me as a pastor at Warunga when we can't get a head deacon or a head deaconess because I feel it's reflecting on my ministry, on my spirituality and on my ability to get to encourage the people to serve God. And I get discouraged. I think we all get discouraged for different reasons when we look at the church, for different reasons. Some of you, I know, might get discouraged and it's possible to have a pastor like me. Well, take heart. The Bible says there will be a what? There'll be a what? Oh, we've got one man saying it. Thank you, Ray. Bible says there will be a remnant. 
There was a remnant in Israel and there'll be a remnant in God's end time church. Praise God and he's calling you to be a part of that remnant and it doesn't have to be a small remnant. Be a large remnant. There will be a remnant. And how's that remnant described? It's described by people, verse 10, who seek the Lord. You know, the issues at the end of time is not about whether or not you worship in an orthodox, traditional way or in what we would say a charismatic, Pentecostal way. It's not. It's not about whether or not you put $3.50 into the offering plate or $13 or $30. By the way, do you know if we all put, I worked this out and it's off the subject for a moment, if we all put $30 in the offering a week, you know how much we'd collect? Whew, $10,000 a week, $625,000 a year. I thought I'd just slip that in. It's not about these things. These are the fruits of the products of our relationship with Christ. The issue at the end of time on whether or not you are in the first part of the chapter of the paradox of Isaiah 65 where, where, where people are being threatened by God with death. In fact, let me just show you. If you were to go to verse 11, let's just do 11 and 12 and then I'm going to finish on, on, on the positive. Because God then reverts through Isaiah back into the negative of this paradox because he says, but as for you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain, who spread a table for fortune, who are only interested in making money and fill bowls mixed with wine for destiny, only want to get ahead and have power. That's what that means. He says, I will destine you for the sword. Look at this. This really speaks to me because I don't want it to happen to me. And you will bend down for the slaughter. For I called, but you... Look, for I called. Oh, maybe the Lord's will that this is not your experience today. And if it is, move. For I called, and you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. What is upsetting God is that he came looking for these people. He called, they were not seekers, they did not answer. He called them into daily Bible study. They didn't answer. Where are you this morning? He called them into daily prayer. Lloyd, may speak, Lord, may you speak to Lloyd this morning. You called them into daily prayer. And he or you or I did not answer. He called them to Sabbath school. And I've spoken over four and a half years about the joy of Sabbath school. God calls you to Sabbath school. There was no answer. To church, to prayer meeting. This is a call from God into his presence. God says there was no answer. This is serious because God says... If you fall into that category, and this is the judgmental side of God, the fierce, the f this is why people fear God, and if you're not walking with God this morning, you should fear him. He's a God to fear. The Bible says, I called them, they did not answer, and look at the verse, I don't like it, but it's there, and we've got to come to grips with what the Bible says. Verse 12, he says, I will destine you for the sword. 
And you will bend down for the slaughter. And I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, the, 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 the fact is that Jesus is coming soon. And if you are not ready, the fact, it's a hard, cold fact. I wish it wasn't so, but it is. You're a human being caught in a world in rebellion and sin. The hard, cold fact is that if you do not respond to the call of God, if you are not seeking him, if you are not in his presence, then you will. Oh, I pray it doesn't happen, but it's fact. You will bend down to the slaughter. But you know what? If we had more time, we could do the rest of this chapter because it's all positive. Verse 17. Behold, I will create a new heaven and a new earth for those who seek me. That's what he's saying. Verse 17. Verse 20. For those who seek me, never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years, who dies at a hundred. He'll be thought a mere youth. God's saying there will be no death for those who seek me. He says they will build houses. He's talking about heaven. God's saying, look, on one side there's death, there's slaughter. He says you will, be bend down, you will bend down and you will die. But he says on the other side, he says, I'm offering you eternal life. And the rest of Isaiah 65, God describes heaven, building houses. Others won't live in them, you will. Planting vineyards, others won't drink from them, you will. Uh, Verse verse, uh, 23, they will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be, those who seek me, they will be people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them. Now look at this, verse 24. Before they call... These are people who seek God. Before they call, verse 24, the Bible says, God says, I will answer. While they are still speaking, God said, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw like ox. This is heaven. But dust will be the serpent's food. Satan will turn to dust. They will neither harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain. And I wonder this morning as I close this Bible study, This interesting paradox. Where do you stand? Are you in the camp that is fearing the judgment of God? Are you in the camp that is not responding to his call? Brothers and sisters, you're headed on a road to death if that's where you are. And that's why God is so forthright in the Bible about it. It is a road to death. And this morning... You can choose to move out of this camp that fears God, that will have the vengeance and the wrath of God brought down upon them. And it's a serious, sobering thing. You can move out of that camp. Sorry about that, flowers. You can move out of that camp into the Lord's camp. And that's a good camp to be in. And it's one where I choose to pitch my tent. That's a camp where you meet a a loving God, a gentle God, A God who will care for you and will carry you through the times of hardship and trial. Who will forgive you like he does me when you fall. Who when he comes in the clouds of heaven will be your God coming back for you. That's the experience I want. Isn't that the experience you want? I'm going to pray for you this morning that this will be your walk. And that when Jesus comes that none of you will be found in this negative paradox. A camp I don't want to be anywhere near. I pray you'll all be over here with Jesus, experiencing the joy of having the gentle master in your life. Let's pray. God, you're a good God. 
you call us in a, a number of ways. Sometimes, Lord, you've got to be straight with us. Sometimes, God, we recognise you've even got to punish us. We accept that, Lord, if it'll bring us to you. Lord, we thank you for your love and your gentleness toward us. And pray this morning, God, that that's what we will all respond to. And pray this morning that it will be that camp we'll be found in when you return. So bless each person with head bowed. May they walk out of here with the Holy Spirit and a desire deep in their hearts to walk with you. A desire so strong that they act on it. Thank you, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Chosen for the final hymn. It's a beautiful hymn. Deeper yet. And I chose this hymn because this is hymn 302 because this should be the experience we're all longing for. And as we move into a deeper walk with Christ, of course, we move into this, this wonderfully beautiful positive paradox which is right through the book of Isaiah. So thank you to our musicians who have led us beautifully this morning. I want to invite you all to stand as we sing this last hymn, Deeper Yet.